uh, Luke chapter 19. And we're going to look at a story that I have not looked at here on Sunday morning since August of 2013. And so it's been 10 years, and uh, um, we're going to look at the story of Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus. And I want to tell you, even before we read, right up front, what my whole sermon is. Okay? Uh, It's this. Jesus goes where nobody else will go to choose who nobody else will choose to build what nobody else will build. That's my message this morning. And so you're going to hear that several times throughout the, the, the word. And so let's read together in Luke chapter 19, and we're going to start in verse 1. And Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. Now behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. And he sought to see who Jesus was, but he could not because of the crowd, for he was of short stature. I just want to give you something that I felt just come into my heart that's not in my notes. Sometimes people want to see who Jesus is, but they can't because people are getting in the way. And that sometimes includes the church. They want to know who Jesus is, but all we can see is the stuff of man. And this morning, I'm believing that each one of us are going to have a glimpse of who Jesus is. Let's keep reading. And when Jesus came to the place, uh, did I read? Or verse 4, okay. So he ran ahead, climbed up into a sycamore tree to see Jesus, for he was going to pass that way. Verse 5. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw Zacchaeus and said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must stay at your house. So he made haste, came down, and received him joyfully. But when they saw it, they all complained, saying, he has gone to be a guest with the man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, I give half of my goods to the poor. And if I have taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore fourfold. And Jesus said to Zacchaeus, Today salvation has come to this house, because he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we just come before you this morning, and we thank you for your presence in this place. God, you say that you inhabit the praises of your people. And when we just begin to lift you up and worship you just a few moments ago, as Brianna led us, 
you came into this place. And you are here this morning. You are here this morning to touch hearts and to touch people. You are here this morning to minister. And God, I pray that more than good music and a, and a good speech, that we would be touched by you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Jericho. Jericho. This is the only record that we have of Jesus passing through Jericho. In chapter 18, just before what we read, as he was approaching Jericho, there was a blind man. We know from the Gospel of Mark that that blind man was Bartimaeus. And it's here in Jericho that Jesus healed Bartimaeus. And now as he enters, I, I saw Bill clap his hands. Uh, we're believing with Bill, amen? And so Jesus enters into Jericho, and as he's passing through Jericho, um, he meets this man named Zacchaeus. This is, this is really one of the last stops that Jesus makes before he's going to the cross, before he travels the 19-mile journey down to Jerusalem to uh, go through the, the, the week of passion where he gave his life for us on Calvary, Jericho. Jericho was a city redeemed. Jericho was a city of transformation. The first mention of Jericho is in the Old Testament. Jericho was across the, the river into the land of Canaan. And it was a great and mighty city, but it was a wicked and evil city. And when Joshua crossed the river to take Jericho, you, you, without preaching the whole message, you might remember the story of how they marched around the city. There were thousands and thousands of, of warriors and the people of Israel, and they marched around the city once a day for six days and then seven times on the seventh day. And when they shouted and blew their trumpets, the walls of Jericho came crashing down and the Israelites came and took over Jericho. Jericho started off as a stronghold filled with enemies. But Jericho was transformed. Later, it was rebuilt. An interesting story that I won't pursue this morning. But after it was built, it became a place where great miracles happened. Elijah did a lot of his ministry there. He was a powerful prophet of the Old Testament that, that uh, saw dead people raised to life again, the, who delivered the nation of Israel uh, from the prophets of Baal. He did mighty things, and much of his ministry took place in Jericho. It was in Jericho that Elijah's uh, uh, young, young student, Elisha, lived. And it was at Jericho where Elisha was given the mantle of Jericho of Elijah, and, and uh, Elijah was taken into the heavens. He's one of the two people mentioned in the Bible that never died. And so Jericho became a place of miracles. Jericho means a place of fragrance. And later on, it fulfilled its 
destiny. Um, Jericho uh, was a city, I took this, I copied this out of my uh, study books, a, a city abounding in balsam, in honey, in cypress, in, uh, a, a, in a plant called myrobalanus. If there's any botanists here today, you might know what that is. Roses and other fragrant products. It became a place of fragrance. It became a city that fulfilled its destiny. And just as Jericho was transformed as a city, God is in the business of transforming people. He transforms you and I. And so it's in Jericho that this story unfolds. Um, where Zacchaeus, a man who has long heard the, the rumors about Jesus, by then Jesus had been ministering for nearly three years, and news about him had spread all through the region, and Zacchaeus could not wait to get a glimpse of this man. If we had a famous person of any kind of stature uh, in, in America or in the world come to Lincoln, Illinois, there would be many people that would travel uh, to the place where he was going to be so that they could get a glimpse of him or her. And so it was with Zacchaeus. He had heard of the miracles. He had, seen, he had uh, heard of, of all of these things that Jesus said and did, and he wanted to get a glimpse of him. And so Zacchaeus, the key character, is who this is all about. And Jesus, skipping ahead in the story, went to the house of Zacchaeus. Jesus is willing to go where nobody else will go. Jesus is willing to go to the house of Zacchaeus. You remember me reading the verse that said, they all complained. They didn't like it. Well, who is they? They is all the, the religious people of the day. The religious people were people that were very good at casting judgment on those sinners. The religious people, the, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, were very good at looking down on people that they did not approve of. Well, one of the people that everybody targeted, it was very easy for society to look down on, was the tax collector. And so tax collectors were lumped in with sinners. They were, they were Jewish people, so they should have been loved by the Jews, but they were hated by the Jews because they collected taxes. And so because they collected taxes and gave their money to the Romans... The Jewish people hated all the tax collectors. They saw them as traitors in their day. And so they had uh, taken a position that Zacchaeus was an outcast of Jericho. And when Jesus went to the home of the outcast, they saw that as a defiling kind of a move. They saw that as, as something that a man of God, a man of the cloth, ought not do. But Jesus broke through all of their religiosity. Jesus broke through all of the perceived 
uh, the, the, the perceived status quo. He broke through it all. Isn't that awesome that he did that? He broke through it all, and, and he went to the home of Zacchaeus. I love that about Jesus because he's always going to places where nobody else are, is willing to go. It was the same with another tax collector earlier in the book of Luke. In fact, more at the beginning of the book of Luke, there was another tax collector, and his name was Matthew. And in chapter 5 of Luke, uh, verse 30, it says, And their scribes and Pharisees complained against his disciples, saying, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Well, they said that about Matthew. And what did Matthew become? Matthew became one of the 12 disciples that, was, that initially followed Christ. And so they got very accustomed to looking at Jesus and saying, well, he goes places none of us are willing to go. All those sinners. In Luke chapter 15, uh, in, in, uh, in uh, Luke chapter 15, and verse 1, it says this, Then all the tax collectors and the sinners drew near to him to hear him. <laughs> I think that's awesome. And when that happened, the Pharisees and the scribes complained, saying, This man receives sinners and even eats with them. Oh, that's terrible. Unless it's fried chicken, of course. Oh, praise God. So he spoke to this, he spoke a parable to them. And I'm going to read that in a little bit. But you see, over and over and over and over again, Jesus goes where nobody else is willing to go. You might look at your own house and you, say, and you might say, Jesus, would you come to my house? And Jesus will say yes. He will say yes. He will go where no one else is willing to go. And why does he do that? Why does he go where nobody else is willing to go? He does that so that he can touch people that nobody else is willing to touch. It's a story um, it's a true story. That Jesus, that Jesus touched lepers and nobody else was willing to touch. He touched, he, he talked with women in his day. He was breaking the barriers of gender. He sat at a well and talked not only with a woman, but with a Samaritan woman. That, that's awesome. So he's not only breaking the gender barrier, he's breaking the, the uh, racial barrier. This is our Jesus, willing to go where nobody else will go, to choose people that nobody else will choose. That's phenomenal. Another story in Luke chapter 8. 
where Jesus crossed a body of water and he went to a place called the Gadarenes. And in the tombs of the Gadarenes, the, the graveyard, lived a man that nobody wished was even alive. He was a, a, a demoniac and, and he drooled and he, and, he, and he acted crazy. But Jesus went to the tomb to meet a demoniac. Because he goes places nobody else will go to choose people nobody else will choose. I love that about God. I love that about, about the Jesus that I serve. And so he chooses in this story, he chooses to see Zacchaeus. All of this makes me wonder in our day as we look at our society and we look at all the different types of people and, and, we, and we can put them in, in different categories and ask the question, well, which category of people would Jesus hang out with? Which category of people would Jesus want to be near? Which category of people would he choose? And he's always been like this. In the very city of Jericho, if you read the story in the book of Joshua, they had sent spies into, into Jericho to spy out the land, and, and uh, they found a woman that would take them in. Of course she would take them in. She was a prostitute. And her name was Rahab. This happened in this same city of Jericho. And in this city was Rahab the prostitute, and Rahab hid all of the spies from Israel so that the people of Jericho could not find them. She let them down through a basket in her window so that they could escape and then bring the scouting report back to, the, back to Joshua and the Jewish people so that, they could, so that they could fight. This is Rahab the prostitute. And when later they marched around the walls and the walls fell down, Every inhabitant of Jericho was killed except Rahab the prostitute. And Rahab the prostitute, then her life was transformed and changed, and she became one of the great, great, great grandmothers of King David. In the lineage of this man, Jesus. That's pretty awesome. Why? Because, Jesus, because God has always chosen people that nobody else will choose. He sees things in people that nobody else sees. And he draws them out. A typical rabbi would go to the elite of the educated and choose the elite of the educated to be their followers. And it was common for them to take up the 12 people to disciple. The rabbis of, 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 of uh, Israel in that time period. And so Jesus, as a rabbi, is choosing 12 people. But he doesn't go to the elite. And he doesn't go to the well-educated. Jesus goes to the fishermen. And, he, and four of them that he chose were, were common, ordinary fishermen, really at the lowest level of society. And Jesus looked at Peter and his brother Andrew and James and his brother John, and he said, you come and follow me. 
And they looked at Jesus, and they looked at their nets, and they dropped their nets, they left their nets, they left their father's trade, and they followed Jesus, not even believing, I think, at first. You mean a rabbi is choosing me to follow him? Because that's what Jesus does. He chooses people that nobody else chooses to be on his team. Jesus allowed a formerly demoniac woman named Mary Magdalene to wash his feet. He broke all the rules. Paul, who said, I'm the chief of sinners, said in 1 Corinthians, Chapter 1. This is good. For you see your calling, brothers, that not many of you were wise according to the flesh. Not many mighty, not many noble are called. There were a few in Paul's ministry that were high up in government that that chose to follow Christ. There were a few. That's why he says not many. Most were not. And he goes on and he says, God has chosen the foolish things of this world to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty. And he has chosen the base things of the world and the things which are despised God has chosen, and the things which are not, to bring to nothing the things that are. The people that God is choosing in the earth today are not the people that that you might suspect. You might come from any kind of a family, but God is calling you to be a follower of Christ. God is coming to where you are and saying, I have not forgotten you. I have not forgotten you. I am coming right to where you are and saying, daughter, I'm I'm choosing you to follow me. The one in the Bible that we know was wealthy. He, He had more money. He was called a prince. And he came and he, and he asked Jesus, what do I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus looked at him and said, well, since you have a lot of money, give me your money so that I can have a bigger ministry. No, that's not what he said. He looked at him and he saw this wealthy man and he saw that his money had a hold of him. And he said, go, give all of your money to the poor, sell what you have, give it all away. Get rid of your idol and then come and follow me. And the Bible says the man went away sad. He chose his money over Jesus. And the same has been true down through the ages. It's one reason, it's one reason why it's much easier to win somebody to the Lord in Africa than it is in America. We're so affluent. 
We're so affluent, we've grown up in it and we don't recognize it, we don't realize it, but the poorest among us is wealthier than 95% of the world. I hope you realize that. You are blessed. You are blessed. And, and so uh, Zacchaeus, he was a wealthy man. He had made his money collecting taxes, and it was commonly known that the tax collectors collected more than what they were supposed to. They, they were supposed to get a little bit of commission on what they, what they charged, but they would often charge double or sometimes triple and keep all of the leftover that they, that they then gave to Rome. And tax collectors got incredibly wealthy, and nobody liked them, but they had a lot of stuff. such as Zacchaeus. God chooses Zacchaeus. says, today I'm coming to your house. Coming to your house. And he specializes in taking people from, from being a prostitute to being a queen, a princess. Being a fisherman to apostle tax collector to child of the living God. From Samaritan woman, and this Samaritan woman, I didn't tell you this part of the story, she had had, she had, had five husbands, and she was living with a, a man that was not her husband. And, and so she had a reputation in her city, and Jesus took that woman and made her an evangelist. And she was the one whom God used to bring the whole village into relationship with Jesus. Isn't that awesome? So he goes places that nobody else will go. He chooses people that nobody else will choose. And the third point that I want to say today is that he is building something that nobody else is building. Nobody else is building. When you remodel a house, you realize how worn out things get. We pulled up a board the other day, and the underside of that board had been ravished by termites of old. No, no termites in the building now, but you can see the damage that had been done from the termites. I took that board out and, and, and put it in the trash. Things that man builds don't last forever. The big bridge from East Peoria to Peoria. I grew up in East Peoria, and, and as a boy, we went over that bridge all the time uh, on our way to Peoria. Guess what they had to do? They had to tear it down and replace it because things that man builds are not eternal. They don't last forever. We just celebrated 9-11, and we realize things that man builds can be taken down. Ukraine, the tragedy that's happening in Ukraine right now. And, and, and friends, we need to be praying that God will bring peace to this situation. There's already 450,000 dead men because of this war. We need to believe God for peace, amen? But Ukraine is being ravaged because what man builds does not last forever. It has to be replaced. But what God builds is eternal. 
It never erodes. It never fades. It cannot be eaten by termites. It cannot be destroyed by man. It is forever. Hallelujah. And that's amazing. In Matthew 16, Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Jesus is building something that not even the gates of hell can destroy. Oh, thank you, Lord. And you know what? He's looking at Zacchaeus in this story, and he's inviting Zacchaeus to be a part of the kingdom, to be a part of something bigger than himself, to be a part of something that, that is going to last forever and ever and ever and ever. And that's amazing. He's building his kingdom. How many of you are glad that Jesus came to your house and he chose you and he has planted you inside of his kingdom that is going to last forever and ever and ever and ever and ever? Come on, somebody give praise to the Lord this morning. That is amazing. There is coming a day when the heavens and the earth as we know it, will pass away. But the kingdom of God will never pass away. We are in this tent. This, this tent right here. This tent that turned 50 this year. That if I live to be 100, which the longest living person in my family that I know of lived to be uh, just shy of her 96th birthday. And some of you have people that live longer than that in your families, but if it's even just over a hundred years, then I'm halfway there. This tent is not eternal. This tent. But the spirit and the soul that is in this tent is eternal. And one day, the Bible says that those who believe in Christ are going to receive a new body and they're going to live forever and ever and ever in the presence of God. And the kingdom of God will go on. You and I will go on long after the heavens and the earth have passed away. Jim Elliot was a missionary to uh, the Amazon basin. And before he was martyred for his faith, by the cannibal people, which later, by the way, came to Christ. Jim Elliot said this, Blessed is the man who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he can never lose. And Zacchaeus, his response is outstanding. Zacchaeus looks at Jesus. And you notice that Zacchaeus doesn't call him teacher. Zacchaeus doesn't call him friend, although he is those things. Zacchaeus looks at Jesus and he says, Lord, today, here and now, I've, I'm turning my life around. Let me paraphrase. He says, Jesus, I've cheated people. And every person that, I'm, that I've cheated, I'm paying back fourfold. 
He chose fourfold because that's what the Old Testament law said to do. If you got caught stealing, you were to pay back fourfold. And Zacchaeus, without being caught, that day started paying people back out of his wealth. He repented. He softened his hardened heart. It had been hardened by society and by people hating him so much and him not caring just so that he got their money. He softened his hardened heart. And he said, Jesus, here I am. I'm calling you Lord. I'm making you the Lord of my life. And Jesus looked at Zacchaeus, the man who everybody else rejected, the man whom religious people would avoid. And he said, Zacchaeus, today salvation has come to your house. For you too are a child of Abraham. And Jesus, again paraphrasing, said, Zacchaeus, I do. I forgive you. I forgive you. And I receive you into my kingdom. In another couple weeks, Jesus would go to the cross. And there on the cross, he would shed his blood in my place and in your place so that we could be forgiven and free. And I don't know the rest of Zacchaeus' story. I'm assuming that he continued in his transformation that took place on this day. And he was never the same. Today, Jesus is calling out your name and my name. Nobody that we have record of told Jesus the name of that man in the sycamore tree. Jesus, by the Holy Spirit, knew Zacchaeus' name. And he called to him and he said, Zacchaeus. And you might not think that God knows your name. You might think that he has, all of your life, ignored you, turned the other way. But today, he's calling your name. Praise God. Cole, aren't you glad that Jesus knows your name? A truck driver. And Jesus is transforming your life. He's doing an amazing, amazing work. Scott, aren't you glad that Jesus knows your name? Scott's story is amazing. He went through some incredible things. But Jesus knew Scott's name and called him out. Amy, who gave the announcement just a few moments ago, I don't see her now. I think she's helping with the dinner. Um, 
we have watched over the last several years Jesus transform her life. Jesus knew her name. And I look around the room and I could call name after name after name after name of people that were in situations where nobody else would go. But Jesus came to where they were, chose them for his kingdom, and transformed their lives. Praise God. I want to take a moment right now, and I want to pray in this place, because I believe that this morning God is knocking on the hearts of people. And he's coming to where you are. And so just everybody bow your head and close your eyes. And this is not a moment where, this is not a moment here that is uh, a time where we are going to humiliate people or ask them to, to do things that uh, everybody else can see. This is a moment between you and Jesus. He's calling your name. And he knows who you are. And there is nothing that you have done. It doesn't matter. He loves you. There's nothing, nobody that you've even done it with that can spoil your reputation so bad that Jesus does not call. He's coming to where you are right now. I'm simply going to ask, as nobody else is looking around, just me as, as your pastor this morning, you would say, Jesus, will you just come and will you touch me? I feel like I'm Zacchaeus today, and I want you to come to my house. And if that's you, I just want you to lift up your hand right now. Say, yes, that's me. Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Just say, Jesus, that's me. That's me. Oh, God. Lord, for these several that have lifted up their hands, we just want to pause a moment and we want to pray. And Zacchaeus did not let his past stop him. <laughs> He did not let his reputation stop him. He did not let what others thought about him stop him. He didn't even let what he thought about himself stop him. He came to where you were, Jesus, and he said, Lord, I'm coming after you. I'm turning my life around to follow you. And so, God, I pray for these that have raised their hand perhaps others in this room right now that would lift up the, the cry of their heart and say, God, today I come to you to turn my life around. God, just touch these in a deep way today. There are perhaps some people here, we want to add you to our prayer that would say, you know what, I've, I like Zacchaeus in my past, I've given Jesus my life. But I haven't done a very good job of following him and I've really walked away. 
Today, I want to ask God to forgive me for that. And I want to come back. If that's you, I want you to lift up your hand. Say, yes, Lord. That's me. Thank you. Anybody else? Anybody else? Let's pray right now. Jesus, we're just so sorry. And we feel a measure of shame and guilt. But we also see you looking at us with favor and mercy, saying, come, don't stay away, come to me. And so, Lord, we, we just take our shame and our guilt, and we just give it to you. These are our ashes. We give our ashes to you right now. And, Lord, in Isaiah 61, it says, we give you our ashes, and you crown us with beauty. And so, Lord, I, I just thank you for those that are returning this morning. And I pray that they would feel you wash them clean. Thank you, Lord. For the sake of those that have responded today, can we all pray this together? Just, just repeat after me. Lord Jesus, thank you for the cross. Thank you for dying for me. You were perfect. I am so imperfect. I give you my imperfection. I give you my sin. I turn away from it to follow you. Thank you for hearing my cry. Thank you for restoring my life. Thank you for coming to my house. Thank you for choosing me. And thank you for building my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise God.